This message comes from NPR sponsor Viore, a new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics, built to move in, styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. Today on State of the World, what we know about Israel's ground war in Gaza. Thanks for listening to State of the World from NPR. We bring you the day's most vital international stories, up close, where they're happening. It's Friday, November 3rd. I'm Greg Dixon. Israel's ground war in Gaza appears to be intensifying. The operation is in response to a Hamas attack on Israel October 7th that killed over 1,400 Israelis. Gaza health officials say over 9,000 Palestinians have been killed, including hundreds in an airstrike at a refugee camp on Thursday. Israel's bombardment and ground offensive have caused civilians to flee to the border with Egypt to try to leave Gaza. In a moment, we'll hear from some of the few that have been allowed out. But first, what we know about Israel's strategy. Their military isn't saying much about what it's doing in Gaza, but satellite images and social media posts offer some clues. And Paris Jeff Bromfield has been tracking these sources, and he told Juana Summers what he learned. The Israeli military is pushed into the Gaza Strip from three points, two from the north and one cutting all the way across the middle of the Strip. And in doing so, it's encircled Gaza City. Now, before the war, Gaza City was home to a little over half a million people. It was the largest city in the territory. The Israeli military says it's also a Hamas stronghold filled with tunnels and weapons caches. I spoke to Sean McFarland, a retired U.S. Army general, and he said surrounding an enemy is a pretty standard tactic in urban warfare. They're setting the conditions there to go into the city, but first they have to kind of close off the perimeter. Okay, and Jeff, if Israeli forces go into Gaza City, what could that look like? Well, we've had a look at satellite imagery from the commercial company Planet, and it shows armored vehicles parked in these areas cleared by Israeli bulldozers at different points on the edge of the city. But McFarland and other experts we showed the images to say this doesn't look like an occupation force. There just aren't enough troops to really take control of the entire city. Instead, McFarland thinks part of the force will prevent Hamas fighters from entering and leaving while other troops go into the city and strike at Hamas targets in limited raids. I mean, Jeff, what could that kind of fight that you're describing there mean for the civilians who are trapped in Gaza City? It's not good. Urban warfare like this is very brutal. It can kill a lot of civilians. And from what we can see on social media, it seems like current Israeli rules of engagement allow significant civilian casualties. I spoke to Mark Garlasco, a former U.M. war crimes investigator, and he says this is quite different than earlier battles Israel has fought in Gaza. The Israelis obviously have a higher tolerance for civilian casualties in this conflict than we've seen in prior conflicts. And I think that the reason for that is they believe that this is an existential conflict. And Garlasco brought up that airstrike you mentioned earlier as an example. Israel says it killed a top Hamas leader, but doing so meant dropping bombs in an area filled with civilians. I mean, to that point, the stories that we are hearing out of Gaza already are terrible. And yet, from what you are describing, it sounds like this could really just be the beginning. Is there any way to protect innocent people? Well, the U.S. has called for a humanitarian pause in the fighting to allow aid to come in. So far, Israel doesn't seem even remotely interested in that. But Garlasco says it may face more international pressure the longer this ground offensive goes on, because international law requires them to minimize civilian casualties. 
even though Hamas may violate the laws of war, it doesn't mean that Israel can, right? And while Israel has a right to defend itself, that right is not unlimited. In particular, Garlasco says that Israel, Israeli strikes need to be proportionate, meaning that the military benefits are worth the civilian harm. The UN is already echoing this concern. Earlier this week, they warned that the strike at the refugee camp could amount to war crimes because of questions of proportionality. NPR's Jeff Brumfield, thank you. Thank you. As we just heard, civilians in Gaza are caught in the fighting, and they have very few options to leave. On Friday, Egypt opened its border crossing with Gaza for the third day in a row, though only a few hundred are being allowed to leave each day. NPR producer Anas Baba is inside Gaza. Thursday was the first day a small number of Palestinian Americans were allowed to cross into Egypt. And Baba went to the border to see what it was like and sent voice memos to NPR's Daniel Estrin. He describes scenes that are just excruciating. People leaving someone behind, families torn apart. He met an eight-year-old boy from New Jersey who was visiting his grandparents in Gaza when this war broke out. And now he was getting to go back home, but leaving his grandparents behind. And here is our producer Anas Baba speaking to that eight-year-old, Iyad Okal. What do you want to say to all the children around the world about Gaza? That they need to get out of Palestine as soon as possible. He also met a woman, Wafa Esaka, who moved to America years ago. Um, she lives in Tallahassee, Florida. We've been following her story throughout the war. And she finally appeared on the list to be able to go. Um, it's a mixed feelings. <laughs> I'm leaving behind my loved ones, my dad, my mom, my family. But I have to go to my other family, my husband, my son, my grandson. I think God has his point. I don't know what it is, but this is the taxes of going abroad, I guess, and get education and look for a better life. So it's not that I'm sad. I'm not sad. I'm thankful I'm able to go back home. And when she returns to the U.S.? I'm going to take a long shower, a long bath, because for the past 25 days, I didn't take any. And then be with my family. Love them more and more. And just pray. I told God to take care of the rest of my family because I can't do anything anymore. So those are some of the voices we heard yesterday. Now, today's list was published around 2.30 a.m. here. Nearly 600 people are on that list, more Palestinian-Americans, people from other countries. Anas Baba went back to the border, met a pharmacist, Sam Saluha. He was sending away his young kids, and he's staying behind to take care of his ill dad. And here is what he wants people listening to his voice to know. I want you to be lucky and cherish everything. When you go to the bathroom and flush you know, cherish that moment because we don't have that option. If you eat bread and if you uh, use a microwave, you are lucky to have that option. And I should tell you about something else extraordinary. Few hundred people are being allowed to escape the war zone, but Israel is sending in to Gaza thousands of people into that war zone for the very first time. Thousands of Gaza laborers who were working in Israel when the war broke out, they were rounded up by Israel, detained. And our producer saw throngs of them, thousands, walking into Gaza by foot. They were 
dropped off by an Israeli bus. One of them was even wearing a, a, a bright orange Israeli prison jumpsuit. This is a, a, a video that our producer filmed. He saw him walking into Gaza saying, I'm coming from death and I'm going to death. Israel's security cabinet announced that it's severing all contact with Gaza. Israel is sending home all those Gazan workers who were trapped in Israel on the day of the war. That's NPR's Daniel Estrin with reporting from Anas Baba on the scene at the border between Gaza and Egypt on Friday. That's the State of the World from NPR. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again soon. Last year, over 20,000 people joined the Body Electric study to change their sedentary, screen-filled lives. And guess what? We saw amazing effects. Now you can try NPR's Body Electric Challenge yourself. Listen to updated and new episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Homes.com. When you're shopping for a home, you want to know as much about the area around it as possible. Homes.com has got you covered with a comprehensive neighborhood guide from local experts. Homes.com. We've done your homework.